Hello and welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. My name's Darren and I'm here with Faith. Hi. Pastor Faith. And we will get to the sermon in just a little bit, but we wanted to make some time and space to talk about something special that we've been having on Sundays. And it's a new song that Pastor Faith, you and your husband, Josh, wrote, and we've shared it with our community. Tell us a little bit about it. What's the name of it? Yeah. And where did it come from? Yeah, so it's called We Need You. Um, and I, I'm going to root this in 1 Corinthians 2 when Paul says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Um, the, the first thing that was written for this song was the beginning of that bridge section that says, We don't need better plans. We don't need clever thoughts. We need your Spirit, O oh God. We don't want the wisdom of man. We want we want a display of God's power, which is really what the world needs. They don't need to see a show, or even in the area of worship, they don't need to hear good music. We need to see a display of the power of God. So it came from that heart cry. And then the beginning of the song kind of sets up this space where we invite Holy Spirit, we open our hearts, we clear out all the distractions, the things that get in the way and then just simply cry out for more of Him. And it's this this longing to be a, a space where the Spirit would rest mm-hmm. as a community. Yeah, I love that. That's such a the heart and core value of Garden Church. Exactly. Knowing that the Spirit is present, like He's welcome to the party and we get to celebrate. And I so appreciate the beauty and creativity that you've been cultivating, not only with worship, but just something that we can invite the rest of our community into. And, and it's so cool when, when uh, in the recording of this song, it's the first time that we shared it. And it's like people have been singing it for weeks. <laughs> and it was just such a cool thing to experience. And so we're so happy for those of you that have experienced that with us on a Sunday morning. And we want to see just more original songs being birthed from this place um, that you're talking about, just being saturated in the Holy Spirit. So we are welcoming you to stick around after the sermon where you can hear a live recording of the song, We Need You, and I hope it blesses your heart. Garden Church Podcast. I want to start by just telling you about what tonight's about. First, first of all, tonight is not about us telling you who to vote for. So if that's what you were looking for, you're going to be disappointed. It's about something else. It is about learning to engage in this present cultural moment as followers of Jesus, as citizens of the kingdom of God. And the, there will be a space for us to answer the questions that you've already submitted. Um, and I want to encourage you, if you're, you're on right now, and as we talk, questions emerge, um, to put that into the Zoom. And we're going to try to do some, spend some time doing live Q&A. So you can, you can submit your questions on Zoom. Um, and we appreciate the questions that came in. We got a lot of questions and we're excited to jump into those. Um, but tonight I want to answer the question. The main question is how do we engage in politics as citizens in the United States while embodying the Jesus way and live together in unity as the local church? 
first as citizens of the kingdom of God. That is the primary thing we're going to teach tonight. We're going to emphasize the kingdom. We're going to emphasize living the way of Jesus, leading people to love one another the way Jesus has taught us in scripture. But um, I have a couple more things to say, but let me first open us up in prayer if that's cool. Um, Lord, I just, reading the news, know that this feels heavy. Um, these conversations that we are having with family, with friends, with coworkers, with our kids, um, as we observe people and um, cities feeling tense around us, I pray, God, that your kingdom would come, that you would bring peace and joy, that you would allow us to um, navigate these things with great love. So I pray for revelation, God, of who you are. Help us to navigate um, uh, politics as, as students of Jesus, um, as practitioners of the kingdom of God. And I just pray for um, your wisdom to be given to Bill and myself to help our church, Garden Church, handle this. So uh, we love you, God. We bless you. Um, give us wisdom in your name. Amen. Amen. So, let me just begin. I want to talk to you guys that go to the Garden Church. And I know there's a bunch of you that are kind of piping in from other places around the world. Um, but I want to speak as your lead pastor, knowing many of you and walking in relationship with so many of you. Um, what I want you to know is that we are a very diverse community when it comes to politics. And this is a good thing. Um, we have people within our community, leaders who love Jesus, who love Long Beach, who love the garden, who voted for Trump in 2016 and are going to vote for Trump in a couple of days. And we have people in our church who uh, love Jesus, they're leaders, they love the garden, they love Long Beach, and they voted for Hillary Clinton and they're going to vote for Joe Biden. So I, why do I say that? I just want you to know that when it comes to politics, when it comes to political parties, or uh, ideologies or policies or persons. We cannot demonize the other side or those other people who hold different opinions because those other people are in our church. They are our family. And we are called to love one another and be one with one another. So I want you to know that right off the bat, that we have a diverse community. Um, people want to say we're this or that. And really, we are a diversity of, of opinions and thoughts. And that is a good thing. We're unified under the lordship of Jesus. The second thing is, as we discuss topics, Bill and I are not perfect. We don't have all the right answers. We are going to get some of these wrong. And so I want to admit that right off the bat. But we're going to shepherd this church, shepherd this community the same way we've always done it for the last 11 years. And what that means to me, as I say that, is as we approach these issues, politics, um, we're going to look at politics through the biblical lens. Um, because we're going to approach, we, um, as a leadership team, approach everything, everything through the biblical lens. Whether it's how to raise our kids, or how we manage our finances, or how to make leadership decisions, or preach, or how we organize ministries. We do this through the, first, looking at the scripture, looking through the lens of scripture. Um, we believe that the Bible has authority for all matters of which it speaks to. And so when the Bible doesn't sp uh, speak to specific issues that we're dealing with, we use our, our wisdom and reason and logic and the narrative of Scripture and the redemptive movement of Scripture to make decisions. 
We also, second, lead through the Holy Spirit. We're listening to God's voice. We're bringing our concerns and the things that we're, we think are true to God and, and bringing them to him and wanting to listen to his voice about specific issues we, we face in day-to-day life. And third, in regards to how we shepherd this community, we are going to do this through relationship. Relationship is our guiding factor in how we discuss and engage all issues, including politics. And one thing I've learned over the last seven months um, in this very polarizing time as we've led a very diverse church is that it's very hard to love someone well while trying to prove yourself right. It's very hard to love someone well and be trying to prove them, trying to prove something that you're right to them. So um, I've been navigating that in my own personal life, and that's something Bill has been walking me with. But um, I want to start, I'm going to ask Bill to start with just a quick discussion on uh, the kingdom of God and the empire. I think we need to start today with some biblical teaching, and then we're going to jump into the questions that came in. Bill, would you go for it? Talk to us about how do we begin now with looking through the scripture um, as we face these things that we're going to discuss. So uh, I love the framing. Uh, They were going to attempt to um, uh, look through the lens of Scripture, look through the lens of the love of God, look through the lens of relationship, uh, which is how we are uh, kind of commanded to make disciples. Jesus told us, go into all the world, immerse them in the new reality. That is the love of the Father, Son, and Spirit, that nature. So what that means is when Jesus announces that his kingdom, the kingdom of God is available for people to enter. It is within their grasp. He is speaking to a culture that anticipated an end of time. God would, would blow the whistle on time. The kingdom of God would come and judgment would, would ensue at a specific end time. So this would end and the kingdom would come. Then we'd be living in the kingdom of God thereafter. And what Jesus is saying, no, actually what's happening, at least now, is that while that may happen, right now we're living in this in-between time. Mm. And that's going to create massive amounts of tension uh, because you, at any given moment, have to choose which of those two realities, the kingdom of this world or empire or mammon or any of those other words that attach to that or the kingdom of God the rule of God, God's will, God's way that we pray for, for example, in the Lord's Prayer, your, your will be done, your kingdom come. We are saying we want this realm to supersede, to inform uh, this, this realm. The challenge, of course, is that we live more immediately in this. We're citizens of a country. We draw paycheck. Uh, all of the things that attach us to the, to the earth and to the kingdom of this world uh, and, and to be honest, we've been battling this for 2,000 years, ever since Jesus announced that his kingdom was available for entry. We've tried to figure out, okay, how can I live in both at once, leverage the advantage of both? And Jesus knew we were going to do this, hmm. so he cut us off at the pass. He said, you don't get to do that. Hmm. You get one priority. You don't get five priorities. You only get one, and it's the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. That's what you have to seek. That's what you have to pursue. That's what you have to go after. Everything else will find its place in and around that. But if you get anything else 
in first place, it's, it's second button, first hole. Doesn't matter where you go after that, you're going to end up in the wrong place. I knew I was going to get that I, in somehow. I, I wanted to use that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, and, and that's a critical thing. So, so good. Uh, and, and the church got this to the extent that the first 300 or so years, they did, they, they did not expect many of them to survive to adulthood. They mm. anticipated martyrdom. They anticipated persecution because yeah. Jesus told them it was going to be like that. And so when it happened, they were uh, saddened. They were grieving. They were mourning. Uh, but they weren't surprised. Um, this is where we've been in the book of Revelation. John is just saying, guys, Jesus mm. didn't come to get us out of this. He came to be with us in it, to empower us. He didn't come, as I've said, to teach us, to 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 help us so that we didn't have to die. He came to teach us how to die because mm -hmm. that might be required of us. He moderated all of that by raising from the dead, mm -hmm. right? If you're part of a kingdom, the king of whom can raise people from the dead, you, you don't have a necessary investment in the prolonging of a kingdom that is going down. Mm -hmm. uh, moth, rust, not, not good investments mm. is essentially what's happening. When in about three and a half, 350 or so, we elected our first uh, Christian emperor, Constantine, then all of a sudden the church got co-opted with the empire and began to leverage the power of empire for its own good. Unfortunately, you can't leverage the kingdom of God using the power of empire. Jesus told us this in Mark 10. He's made it clear throughout. So, so now there is, throughout those last 2,000 roughly years, there's been tension mm. between the kingdom of God and empire. And we are seeing it in our own, in our own country. We're seeing it all around the world. Uh, so empire is, is virtually any system that aligns itself as alternative, even if not always oppositional, as alternative to the kingdom of God and the way of God. And the church can't afford to get into bed with any of those alternatives mm. because when it does, it ceases to have the kingdom of God as its first priority and now starts to look at how do I leverage my power? How do I acquire more? How do I... Uh, uh, kind of make sure that our positions are solid. In other words, we get really, really good at using tools and weapons that we're not supposed to be using mm. at all. Mm. Um, I would just, you want to follow yeah, up well, on that? I just even to to keep going on that. It seems like when when we not only does the church um, lose when we adopt or are co-opted by empire, but what we've seen throughout history is the empires of power have used religion yeah. uh, for its advantage to yes. unify, you know, its, you know, conquest yeah. and doing things in horrible ways because it's not submitting to what Christianity is called to submit to. It's submitting yeah. to its power. Because its the power structures are very different. Like I've heard it said, like, you know, the way of the sword versus yeah. the way of the cross. Yeah. And as Christians, and if you think about that, um, when we talk about empire, um, or the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God operates through a different power. It's self-sacrificial love. Yep. It's submission. It's humility. It's laying down one's life. The empire, characteristics of the empire can be found in um, conquest, 
power for itself, uh, pride, arrogance, you know, all the things that we see in the world. Mm-hmm. And ultimately our task as followers of Jesus is to have allegiance first to the kingdom of God and the king, Jesus, and live out his way. And I think that's a huge thing I want to emphasize is that it seems like one of the things that I've had to learn growing up in the church is to move away from just believing the right things about God. It's like a subject to master, right? Versus adopting a lifestyle of Jesus. And, And I think that's part of what I want to get at is how we talk about things is as important as the things we're talking about yes. with each other. I would, uh, in many ways, I would argue more important. More because important. Because being informs how we do that. And, but that, so what you just said would be so controversial yeah, to um, a lot of us who have been taught that to be Christian is to vote a certain way, to yeah. vote a, a, a party line and to vote for specific issues, which we'll get into. Um, but what you just said is quite, you know, counter right. Christian in, in our cultural context. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why, as I've, you and I have talked about this before, but I don't use the word Christian to define myself anymore. How do you, what do you use to I'm define yourself? I'm a struggling yourself? student and service servant of Jesus of Nazareth, who I think is the smartest man who ever walked the face of the earth. So is there an acronym for that or something? That we can... <laughs> I don't know what it is. Disciple. Is it like apprentice, WW apprentice student. of the kingdom? Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. I get that tattoo. Yeah. Um, But the reason, I mean, you guys know this, it just takes forever to define what kind of Christian you are, what that even means anymore. Yes. Uh, and, 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 And sadly, it has been defined for us. Uh, and, and not, not in, in good ways. Uh, I had this conversation with somebody a couple of weeks ago. He asked me, are you a Christian? And my response was, I am not qualified to answer that question. Mm. Uh, you follow me around for three or four years. And if at the end of that time, my life reminds you of Jesus, then you can come to the conclusion that I have been formed to be Christian. I think we're going to end it on that note. So <laughs> that, that, but that's it, right? Like yeah. we, this is so much of the struggle that we have to apologize so often on behalf yeah. of the church, the institutions that are called to represent this good and beautiful, inclusive, kind, generous, forgiving, going after the marginalized, holding to holiness and truth. Like it's, it's been ripped apart. And right now I'm just going to jump into questions. Is that sure. okay? Um, Cause I feel like Bill and I could, keep going for hours and maybe we should sometime. I was saying earlier, we should just have pastor conversations every Sunday evening. Um, I want to talk about, in, I, so what I've done is I've, I, we received about 30 questions in advance and I thank you for those that sent them out. Um, and I organized them based on commonality and we're going to get a bunch of questions and I'll be filtering them live and then I'll ask Bill these questions. So I'm just, I'm going to give him all the hard questions that you have. But uh, let me begin with this question. Um, let me say, this season has produced an extraordinary amount of anxiety and chaos in our culture. A study that came out recently on mental health asked about 2,000 adults about stress and anxiety that have come around um, during COVID-19 and this presidential race. Six out of 10 adults said they can't imagine being more stressed than they already are. 67 percent said they wish this year was over already. I told yeah. Alex, can we put up the Christmas tree? Let's just get to the <laughs> end of the year. Uh, 
And 95% said that 2020 stressors are negatively impacting their health. So politics seem to be dividing us like never before, at least in my lifetime. Some um, are having really hard a really hard time, challenging times, engaging with their parents, with their spouses, with their coworkers that they're trying to evangelize at work because they disagree with their political views and perspectives. So several, several people asked, how do we engage in these conversations with our family members, with our coworkers who hold the opposite political view? How do we do this in a healthy way? Yeah. Can I talk a little bit about the anxiety piece yes. first? Go for it. That's why Jesus said, you don't get to choose three things to pay attention to. Because anxiety mm. comes from being bifurcated, right? From mm. looking in three or four different directions at once, for trying to negotiate the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the earth. So we don't get to do that. My, and it sounds silly, but if Jesus is not anxious, then what does he know that I need to know so that I'm not anxious? Mm. If he's not anxious about who wins the election on Tuesday, and he's not, then I shouldn't be, right? Uh, because he's the Lord of the universe. If Revelation and our conversations have taught us nothing, it's that the throne of any given country is less relevant than who sits on the throne of the universe. We have a king. We're built for monarchy. We're built for that kind of kingdom and relationship. So if we can get that piece in place and live out of the non-anxious presence that that awareness produces, I think it'll be easier to have those conversations. That's great, yeah. Because already, if we start already with what's tearing us apart, yeah. rather than where we are in the middle, and I think those of you who are um, my age or, 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 or right around my age, you can still remember when members of the Senate, members of the Congress, were friends, and not just colleagues professionally, but uh, attended church together, attended Bible studies together, served together in, 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 in mission, and the bifurcation, the divisions that we have seen, um, the divide and conquer, the commodification of everything has resulted in our un inability to first recognize the humanity in the other person. Mm. So when I see somebody in, in my family or friendship group or whatever whose opinions on fill-in-the-blanks are different than mine, I can't start with where we differ. I have to start with what we have in common. We mm. are beloved of God. Mm. We are members, uh, parts of the image of God. Uh, God dwells in us as uniquely and powerfully as he dwells in them and vice versa. And I have to come from that place. Otherwise, I'm looking through the wrong end of the, the telescope. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering why everything's so tiny and insignificant. All I got to do is turn the thing around. And, and then we can talk with questions. We can talk without talking points. Mm. We can learn. Um, the point that you made, I think, is exactly why I love this community so mm. much, is that the diamond that is the garden has facets all the way around that yeah. catch the light right. and refract it in deeply different ways. Mm. And we need each other because none of us has 360 no. 
vision. We need, we need to have somebody who's got our back, who's not looking in the same direction as us, to tell us what we're not seeing. We're all right. three blind men finding the elephant in the forest. We don't know what it is that we're seeing. So I think part of it begins, part of those conversations begin, as you led us in right at the beginning, not to prove me right and you wrong, mm. but to try to learn what the value, what the perspective is, what informed that, what right. was the story that, that generated that, uh, that position. So I'm thinking about uh, my friends who have different perspectives. And, you know, the last few years, it feels like it's been increasingly hostile. People... Mm-hmm are very impassioned about their beliefs, whether it's left or right, whether it's Democrat or Republican. And so when we talk about engaging in healthy conversations with family members or spouses or coworkers, I I think there's some practical things that you can speak to. What you're saying, number one, is to recognize that your political beliefs are not as important as the kingdom of God. That's right. Because it seems like we 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 have just made politics the new religion. And I even think, prophetically speaking, we have soul ties in the American church to politics that need to be exercised. Right. It needs to be Sooner cut spiritually. Yeah. But we, we need to just recognize that, actually, am I seeking the kingdom of God? Like, w- Jesus had, I mean, look at Jesus' inner circle, right? Well, what if, what if we looked at that conversation? Because uh, I want you to come back to that, because that inner circle piece is really important. But what if we looked at the differences we had and says, in this person's perspective, which, with which I disagree, where is the kingdom? Mm. Where is God showing up in their perspective? Because I want to be able to seek the kingdom mm. in ways that are appropriate to, to, to the king. I want to be able to uh, frame what they're experiencing within the realm of the kingdom. Uh, yeah. Because if Jesus, again, isn't anxious about their perspective enough to speak to them about it, I want to. I want to learn what it is that they they know. So, this is I, I love where that. where the disciples and the differences between them, which were really about as extreme as you can get, yeah. I think is instructive. And so, um, let's take a quick pause, real quick. I think we're having some audio issues, so we're gonna we're gonna pause one second. We're gonna switch a cable. We'll come right back. Hold on. Can they still hear us if I'm talking? Um, this is so good. Okay. Wait, they can hear us? So you, you, you can hear us. Um, man, we have so many questions. I don't know cool. how they're coming in. Okay. Well, hey guys, thanks for being here. I'm getting all these great questions and we're going to answer some of them. I'm going to look at them. All right. Oh, here we go. Um, okay. <laughs> Does anybody know what they're doing? No, I, no. I have no idea. Not I've never done this before. <laughs> okay. Hey, how about this one? Let's, I mean, so we're, we're getting, you know, engaging. We're, we're getting a new perspective on how to have these conversations. I actually personally, I, 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 I didn't ask permission, so I'm not going to share their names. But there's some dear friends in our church who have been with us from the beginning and they have a, a very different view about politics than me. And they're leaders. And I'll tell you, 
um, over the last six months, we've had three conversations and it, and two of them we've taken communion after Mm -hmm. because we're debating things. We're bringing our issues. They're bringing, Mm -hmm. they're, they're very educated. They're very thoughtful. They've come to this conclusion based on research and education and all this stuff. And so have I. And here we are side by side leading our church together with saying that's not the most important thing. Right. And for me, honestly, I've been so humbled by their leadership and their humility um, and, and submitting to me and then I submit to them. So I, I know now it's very possible to be on sitting on opposite sides when it comes to certain things, um, but then actually unified on the main yeah. things. And I think it is the approach of relationship, of humility, of, of, of trying to understand and yeah. listen and ask questions and not trying to prove. All of these things are very hard to do when you detach it from human contact, yeah. when you generalize people by party types or that, you know, those people, or I want to just say, because part of this whole thing is social media, mm-hmm. which I Not actually helpful. don't know if it's possible to engage in healthy ways on social media. Do you have anything to say on that? Well, you've got a huge I, Twitter I, following. I, you know? I, think, I think as long as you recognize what it is and limit yourself to that realization and, and realize that for the most part, there's a bit of an echo chamber yeah. in there unless you have friends from both sides and then they yell at one another. Yeah. And so on my stuff limited that I do, I kind of have to moderate that a little bit and talk people down off the ledge. Yeah. But also it's, it's no, we're going we're gonna to come from the center and we're going to speak to one another holding hands. We're going to yes. speak to one another with, uh, with respect, even if we disagree about the conclusions we come to. Yep. Um, the key on it is to recognize, though, that my identity is not locked up with my opinion. Mm. My identity is anchored with God in Christ. I've heard the voice from the heavens. He has pronounced me his son. Mm. I, I have to come at that. And then to recognize that that other person has heard the same voice. Yes. And... So those identity pieces cannot be allowed to get frittered away by opinions. So there was a specific question. I'm going to read it. Um, how can we untangle our identities as Christians and our identities as Americans where the two might be confused? And how can we turn an interaction from an argument to a conversation and rather than trying to change someone's mind? Do you have best practices that you could give? Just like shoot them off. Yeah. Solitude and silence are going to be the place... For identity formation. For for identity formation. Uh, All the stuff we've been doing, the rule of life that we're walking in, all of that ultimately focuses in towards identity in Christ. And and, uh, given that Jesus needed to reinforce that regularly, it's not surprising that we need to as well. So he got up consistently a great while before it was yet day and went to a lonely place to pray. Write that down. That's how. He got up early before everyone woke up, got alone with God to pray. Right. And praying wasn't, God bless that what I'm doing today. It was, who am I again? Mm. Who are you again? Realignment. Realignment yeah. and refocus. Worship is going to be a critical component of this. Although worship has to be really broad. It's not just singing songs. Correct. It's the whole life offering. Romans 12, 1 and 2, on the basis of everything God's done for you. Submit everything you are to him. Like practically, let me just say worship. One of the things I was thinking about is how easy it is to be devoted or create a devotion. Like you think of devotion, like reading the Bible, praying, journaling, having a devotion to 
the gods of our culture. Yeah. It's like, wake up, I read through the news. I'm scrolling through my emails. Yeah. I'm looking Game over. Instagram, social media. I'm buying stuff on Amazon. It's like right there, yeah. you, are, you are distracted from. Yeah. So, so you're talking about identity formation through worship, through alone, being alone with God in prayer, um, through, through that. What else? Well, I think the examine is really important. Every day or two, it, it look back and say, where has my identity gotten fragmented? Where have I forgotten who I am? Where did I get triggered by something? Because uh, all of those are indicators, right? So that examine, I've lost track. examine would be opening ourselves up to God, asking where, yep. asking those what's questions. True, what's, what's not true? true? Where In did I get mind, triggered? Going through, yeah. Where did I get angry? What was the anger about? Yep. Was it a boundary that was violated, or was I offended or hurt unnecessarily? All of those kinds of things <laughs> that enable us to say, okay, somebody else is in charge here, not the Spirit of God. Got it. Yeah. Uh, so it's those kinds of very basic basic practice. How do we help people ha- move from arguing their perspective to uh, learning and having a conversation? Any practical tools? Ask questions. Ask lots of questions. Don't make any statements until you can say to the person his or her position in ways that they would agree is their position. So it's basic human. It's like what we teach people doing premarital, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> active listening, right? Active yep. listening is listening without trying to give your response. That's right. Argue your, I mean, I was so good at arguing my perspective. In fact, I mean, I, I came back to faith and it was all about apologetics and I learned like slowly that, um, that I don't think that was Jesus's way. I'm looking at scripture and he debated the religious folks, but even his debate was so different than how we do it today. And most of it was asking them questions. Yeah. How do you read it? What do you think? Right. And, and it seems like one thing I want to reiterate is this, and this is what I wanted to broadcast to all of you who are listening. Um, and maybe this will go off into the YouTube and they'll highlight this. <laughs> because, I, you know, the Frederick Del Bruner says that the word believe, mm. a, be, a good modern translation for the word believe is relaxing in. So think of John three sixteen. God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, whoever relaxes in Jesus. Like this whole concept of discipleship is learning to relax in the way of Jesus, trust in Jesus. In other words, like we shouldn't carry so much anxiety and uh, uh, fear about trying to get people to believe or know the things that we know or have the positions that we have. I can't tell you how many people I've heard say, well, at the garden, they believe this, or at the garden, Darren teaches this, and I'm hearing it from outside sources of people who have never been to the garden or even heard us preach. And I, like, I don't have any anxiety about it. I'm just like, wow, people are concerned about those things. And it seems like if we could just relax a little bit and trust that you, what you said today, Jesus is sitting on the throne, and that you know, America is a footnote in the story of creation, not even a footnote. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. there are so yeah. many other big things going on. And so our job is just to relax into it and maybe not take it as seriously as we have. Yeah. Taking God very, very seriously, yes. but not us so much. Um, and, and knowing that he's, he's active in participant. Yeah. Okay. So those are some good pr- practices um, in honoring people. And I want to speak to a specific. By the way, one. one more. Yeah, go ahead. Pray for them. Not pray about them. Pray for them. 
Pray power. God's rich blessing on them. Go. Pray benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May mm. the Lord make his face shine on you. May the Lord be gracious to you. Because that changes the enemy into a blessed one, mm. which is what God what is inviting teaches. us into. Jesus told us this is where this is all going. Because so, we don't have the luxury of having enemies. We don't. And, so, um, don't. and I think that's a great, a great reminder. That's so good. Okay, let's talk specifically. So we're talking about political issues. One of the things that I'm, I, I got from the questions w- was like this undertone that came out. Um, so I noticed that some people would include a statement about the other side, mainly Republicans saying that the other side is anti-biblical. Um, and I feel like that can be very harmful to having conversations or even in our church. Like my side is biblical, your side is anti-biblical. And I want to add, um, and then you, could you speak to that part first? But then practically, um, it seems like the church has aligned itself to one political party over the last 40 years or so. And it's aligned itself to the Republican Party. And the biggest issue that I hear over and over again, I see it in the questions coming in, is that a vote for Donald Trump is a vote for anti-abortion. It's uh, a pro-life decision. So could you speak to that specifically? Like, where should we as followers of Jesus stand on abortion? Or, and is it possible for us as Christians to vote for Joe Biden or the other side? You know, could you speak to those things? Yeah, well, uh, uh, that's very, that's a lot. There you go. (laughs) Anti-biblical abortion. I'm out. (laughs) Um, What you're talking about, though, just on the biblical piece is hermeneutics. Yes. Where you stand affects what you see. And it affects how you see. So biblical hermeneutics is, you you can at some level find rationale in the Bible for just about any crazy you want to find. Uh, and people have done it through thousands of years. Um, uh, and so I, I, I'm, I'm always leery about using, you know, the Bible says or biblical this or that. Not, not because it's not a helpful term, but because the conditions under which it is helpful presume love as the lead. It presumes the kingdom as our priority and now we can talk respectfully about the differences we have in hermeneutics and exegesis and how things get read. And I know that that gets heard sometimes as uh, wishy-washy or, um, uh, you know, make up your mind. It says this or that or the other. And a lot of this really rests on what we understand the Bible to be. Mm. It's not a book of propositional truths. Mm. It's a go. collection of stories. Yeah. It's, it's a... Uh, it's a collection that invites us into conversations. It's, yeah. it's not intending uh, to be the um, kind of the, the problem solver beyond pointing to the problem solver. Mm. The point of the scripture is to bring us to the word of God whose name is Jesus. Good. To help us in the way of Jesus. So when we come to an issue like abortion, no question, it is damaging, it is hard. Uh, it is, uh, I, but I've pastored people for 45 years. I've walked with a long number of women and couples mm. who have in previous times uh, had to make an impossibly difficult, con- and I've never, ever had a single person gleefully mm. boast about or look forward to or tell the story of. It's always tears, mm. grief, mourning, often shame, mm is attached to that. Right. So when we pile on that burdened soul, yeah. 
rather than helping to lift the load and creating an environment of help and hope, we make it more difficult for them to mm. find their help and hope in Jesus. Mm. So, granted, as I do, that abortion is wrong, it's evil, it's right. damaging to yep. human persons. We want to reduce the abortion rate as much as possible. Say that is the place we start. Yep. Now, what is the most likely way to achieve that outcome? Is it to make it illegal? Well, there are some who feel so. Yep. Uh, and they need to then vote in ways that they think will produce that outcome. There are others who equally motivated disciples of Jesus think that, that the, easy, the better way or another way is to say, why don't we provide care for women and men leading into relationships? Why don't we provide care for children that would otherwise be unwanted? Why don't we provide mechanisms for having those conversations? Now, if you're on the other side, that doesn't sound like it's very productive. Mm. But on this side, that side doesn't sound like it's ultimately productive. Because we, up until the late, well, really mid-70s, the, pretty much the universal belief, evangelicals and others, was that it was uh, uh, harmful and damaging mm. uh, and needed to be kept as few as possible. Yep. Uh, and so you have R.V. Wade and all of the dynamics that go along with that. Uh, we still have a percentage of the population, and this is where the challenge comes between kingdom of God and the empire. We're, we um, want to say, how does the kingdom of God address this in a political realm in which uh, we, we have a voice, but we're not the only voice? Mm. And politics is the art of compromise. Right. It's the art of learning and listening. Mm. It's the art of reducing necessity in this particular issue. It's the art of caring for those who have had to make, in, in their view, an impossibly difficult choice. When we demonize them, mm. we basically say to them what Jesus did not say to the woman trapped in adultery. Right. We're saying to them, by that act, you have... You have rendered yourself outside the grace. Of, no, 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 no. That's not how, this, how any of this works. Right. Uh, Jesus didn't condemn her. He didn't also condemn those who condemned her. Mm. And he didn't condemn those who condemned those who condemned her. Yeah. Jesus is a no condemnation savior. Mm. So if I'm going to be his disciple, I need to learn that piece as well. And I know that's not going to make everybody happy. Right. Um, and I'm, fortunately, I'm, I'm not necessarily care. concerned about yeah, that, that's okay. uh, but I do want to say when you make yes, Christian or no Christian based on a political decision, yeah. you're using the wrong metric. It, but doesn't it seem like that is, I mean, that's what I hear to not vote. Like what I've heard basically for so many people is it comes down to the abortion the issue of yes. abortion. And so in some ways, because I think it's also, a, it's a generational thing. It's a, cult, a cultural mm -hmm. thing mm -hmm. because I feel like there's also a, a, a generation coming up that's very Christian 
who believe that Bible does teach about caring for immigrants and and yes. uh, foreigners and and the poor yeah. and as as well as creation like creation's going that's part of our stewardship and so um, for some people that gets grouped into a liberal category yeah um, and they're thinking well you 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 know you're doing genocide essentially of a generation by by supporting you know abortion yeah. and how could you possibly ever do something so evil and then uh so i guess the question i have is is it can you be a christian and and vote for someone who um it, for not vote for a republican mm-hmm. you can yeah and it, it feels like it's because been overly christian is you remind me of jesus after i've walked with you for a while because I know we're going to get flack. Because you're going to get flack all the time to not outright say, you know, here's our election sermon about this issue and this yeah, is what we have to I ask. Know. And, you know, and, and I don't, I'm not supporting one or the other right now, but I just, I do think we've oversimplified. Yeah. Um, in I think some it's ways. fair to say that to be Christian is to be pro-life. That's great. Up to and beyond birth. Birth. And, and that's what I want to get at because I think it's really hard to see the hypocrisy at some, in some places to be for the death penalty in some cases and then pro-life here and, you know, caged kids at the border. Like, we, we don't have a pro-life across the board. Like, right. we're all God's children. We need to care for all people. And that, you know, I don't know where that puts people. It puts when, us right in the middle <laughs> where we don't have friends on the extremes on either side, but there's a whole boatload of folks who are living in the middle who have been scared to death not to say what they actually think because the people on the edges say you can't be human and think that way. You can't be this and think that way. Yeah. You can't be that. They don't get so a vote. what I hear you saying but is... They get a vote, but they don't get a vote on yes, whether I'm yes, Christian or not. Is that like we need to release some of those burdens. And I actually think honor, yes, some of you, yes, this is the issue God has put in front of yeah. your heart. Vote your conscience. Vote what you've brought from scripture, from God. Vote that way. And we're teaching everyone to do that, to... Pay attention to scripture, to read it with context and intentionality and look at God's grand narrative, his, the overarching theme of scripture and where it's leading all, yes. of creation, all of creation, right? Yes. All things are coming under his lordship. And, and then in, in love one another as we do that together. If, yes. it, if we vote this way and I vote this way or you vote this way and I vote this way, we come together in love. And yes. I think one of the things I keep hearing, even in our church, is this, moralize like it's it's moral superiority about these issues and in that way um we're not honoring each other no and and jesus i mean you didn't get back to it because i interrupted you but the disciples of jesus were exactly polarized in this way and he chose polarized disciples so that they could learn by following him how to walk with one another each bringing the values they brought so that they could learn from one another Mm. Okay. Well, thanks for that. That was good. Let me keep going on this, on these questions as I, I, try, I try to navigate this. Uh, okay. Um, okay. Here's one. Uh, in, I've been thinking a lot about character and integrity. You know, I'm training my children, my boys. I have a three-year-old and an almost a seven-year-old. And we're talking about this, that we have to be people, as followers of Jesus, we tell the truth. We are full of integrity. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, followers of the way, apprentices, should we be looking and expecting those who hold public office to embody character and integrity? Or should we just be looking for those who will hold similar policies or uh, hold, hold the policies we believe, we believe in regardless of character? 
Um, well, I, think, I don't think it's an either-or. I think character matters because sooner or later, character is going to out. Jesus is very clear on this. You don't get sweet water from a bitter well. So character is going to show up in how people get treated. How, so even if uh, a, an individual has, has um, found a way to leverage power by appealing to particular constituencies, uh, character for the disciple of Jesus being still matters and matters a lot because sooner or later, John Piper's uh, article yeah. on this uh, so great. Uh, was, was really helpful uh, in articulating this. Um, so, uh, but at the same time, we're not electing a pastor. Uh, we're, we're electing a president. That means, and this is why in the Old Testament, there were three roles that, that managed power. You had the prophet, you had the priest, and you had the king. Mm. You had the king who was the kind of the political power. Yep. You had the, the, the priest who was the pastoral presence. But then you had the prophet who was on the inside edge of the outside saying to the king, yes. you're not in charge here. This, this isn't actually your throne. Mm. You, you, are, you are here under auspices and will give an account to the king of the universe for how you have led this people. Mm. So I think that there is a place for a prophetic presence and when the church gets co-opted into mm. one position or another, one party or another, and it's, and it's challenging because we live in a country that has figured out that there's only two options. Right. We're among the only countries in the world that don't think there ought to be at least five or six mm. for folks to have different, make some selections. Because right now, it's like the Republican Party has a very large group of people that differ on lots of things. It's lots very, of things. And same with the Democratic Party. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. okay, this is kind of going into this. I'm just going to ask some of these questions that I see here. Um, if we are citizens of heaven, this place is not our home. Um, and, when, and we can only serve one master, why vote? Also, a major narrative today is this, that silence is violence and not voting is adding to the problem. Do you agree if we feel convicted not to vote for any candidate? Yes, because I am a disciple of Jesus, not somebody else is telling me what that means. Actually, Jesus is really good if I will sit still and listen to him giving me clarity. And yeah. I shouldn't be surprised that he tells different people different, different things. things. Yep. Because we all have something different to bring to the, bring to the table. Um, just the, in church history, you have the monastic movement that decided Desert Fathers and then up into the Benedictines and others who decided for the sake of the world, they needed to separate themselves from the world. You have the Franciscans who did the same thing. Uh, and then on the other hand, you have people who were engaged as... Uh, leaders, John Calvin, yeah. uh, and, and, and others who are engaged in leaders in their individual communities. So if you are in a place where your vote is to be considered, then by all means, get as informed as you can, mm. uh, pray through, in, invite as a matter of spiritual discipline, the discernment of the, of the, of the ballots, especially in, the, in our case, I think the local elections and yeah. propositions are every bit as important yeah. and more immediately so than the two at the top of top right. of the the ticket and then yeah you you don't just vote your 
conscience, you invoke your spirit-formed conscience. You, okay. in, you vote your biblically-informed conscience. And that may lead somebody to make a protest vote. I hear Kanye's on the ballot, so there you go. Um, he is on the I mean, it's just, it's, it's ways of saying not everybody's going to land in the same place. The Thank God. Right. Um, so but I, that, I, that perspective is very different for a lot of people because they've been taught, like, your duty as an American is to vote. And, and, and I don't disagree with that, but right. you're not first an American. You're first a citizen of the kingdom. And it's also the, the Anabaptist role in yep. church history, which chose to opt out. Quakers, Mennonites. Yeah. Yep. And this is something that I, you know, I've been studying and processing in this time as well and thinking a lot and praying. Alex and I have taught and thought and thought and thought. And, and we are reading, I was reading about the Anabaptists and how they got to that space of choosing to not engage. Mm-hmm. Um, be. And, and I, you know, I, I haven't come to that conclusion right now, but where I'm at is recognizing that when the world is thrusting at us um, at lightning speed, this way of participating in it that, that disregards the way of Jesus, that actually coerces us to use the world's mechanisms to speak the world's language, like social media, or like this idea of silence is violence. And it seems like there, was, there, there has been a wave of, you have to participate in all the cultural out, outrage and, and protests to be accepted. And if you don't, you'll be eaten alive by the very people yep. that you support and are champion. It's, it is this very weird time yeah. to engage in, which is why I jumped off social media completely. And because I think I can't part, begin to imagine living and leading well with so much of this, this world being that way. But in regards to politics, it is also this within the church. It's becoming this very hostile thing where, where I know people are not friends because of who they voted for. And that is, that is anti-biblical. That, <laughs> that is, that yeah. is the antichrist. That Very the spirit so. that is yes. is causing division like nothing else. It's like when your political views disable relationship, you have followed the wrong God. Yeah, and that's what we have to say. That is the demon in the church that has to be exercised from the garden as witness to the world, saying it doesn't matter. And we are so impassioned. I'm preaching. I didn't get to preach in the last couple of weeks. It's not my fault. <laughs> Well, you're doing a great job. I'm giving you heavy lifting. My favorite is when you're like, Darren's going to correct this next week. And I'm like, no, I'm changing it. You're going to do it. But this is the thing that we have to like, we have to identify. And what I want to, what I say, what I mean by that is we can't possibly point fingers at other people. We have to first take the inventory and say, when have I not been listening to my brothers and sisters on the other side? When have I not thought about them as a brother or as a sister who have real pain and experience and perspective that's formed not because of, you know, some bias or just formed because of some lack of education or too much education, but actually this is what they've come to, this place. And what if I learn to love them even if it's different than where I come from. This piece that you're putting on is, this isn't unique to the 21st century church. This was first century church, except the issues there were really volatile. Yeah. Jew, Gentile, (laughs) slave free. Yes. Rich, poor. Yes. Male, female. Every one of those were massive divisions in an honor, shame-based culture. And Paul says, in Christ... None of those labels attach. 
So your orientation to other people is not first through the lens mm -hmm. of where they fit in any given social structure. Your orientation to people is first new creature in Christ. Yes. And so what this means is we can follow Jesus in the local church and we can vote for different presidents that we think will be presidents. We can vote for different policies. We can vote for different measures and local government um, based on our understanding of scripture, based on our, our walking out our faith in community, based on the spirit speaking to us. We can opt out or as one person's asking, um, we can maybe feel even called into politics. That's right. So like, would you give advice? They're asking, how does a Christian balance their faith and their pursuit of a career in and around politics? Yeah. Um, can you remember to ask though about the most powerful thing we can do? Yeah, okay. I'll try. Remember so, to do that. John, will you John, remind me? Somebody else remind me. <laughs> um, Jake, remind no, me. I, I, What's I the think, most powerful I, thing we can do? I, I think that there are very, very few professions that cannot be occupied by a disciple of Jesus with integrity and power. Mm. So if you want to run for office, if you want to surf on the school board, if you want to uh, uh, become a, 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 a community activist, if you want to become a police officer, if you want to become a soldier, if you want to become, fill in the blanks, mm. every one of them needs the witness of the gospel in those places. The question now becomes, how would Jesus run for office if Jesus were running for office? Mm. That then needs to inform how you exercise your roles. And don't be surprised if you find yourself with somebody else sitting, making decisions, sitting on a court case, sitting whatever it is, who is like you, a disciple of Jesus, who has come from different perspectives and who is living out their Jesus-informed life differently than you do. Again, I have a colleague who led Bible studies on Capitol Hill for years, occupying both, both sides of the aisle, uh, women and men who were differently informed politically, but uniquely and in some ways formed by their commitment to Christ. Uh, as their primary orientation. So how they did Republican, how they did Democrat, how they did Green or Independent or whatever was informed by their primary allegiance to Jesus, not the other way around. Mm. So I think that that becomes an important issue. Character matters, integrity matters, truth telling matters. If we fragment as, in my view, the, the trust levels in the country are as low as they have ever been. Yes. And, 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 and arguably lower than it, since people have been, not just in institutions, but in other people. When trust has been fragmented to the degree that it has, there are very, very few options for getting back home. Mm. And, and we're at that place, which is why the church needs to be uh, not disengaged, but engaged in unique ways. Yeah. We need to be engaged in ways that are formed by our relationship well, to and Jesus. I just want to add, I really feel the Lord wants to release people in exactly. every sphere of society, exactly. government, politics, arts, yep. schools, healthcare. All, we see it all over as people embody the character of Jesus, live the way of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, 
looking at the world through compassion as yeah. a lens at yeah. which we bring uh, rebuilding skills from God to help restore this creation. Like That's, this is our work. Now it, would be the time to get involved. It, this is the time. Yep. So maybe God will release a new generation of politicians who actually rebuild the trust to people and live by example. And corruption is no longer the thing we think about when it comes to politicians yep. because a new generation takes, takes off. Um, so, but again, the, the, the battles in that scenario. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Are, I just got reminded, what's the most important thing we can do? <laughs> I was going to go on to another Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll get to that. Okay, okay, remind really me will. again. No, we'll do that just before the okay. commercial break. Okay, are we going to um, have a commercial break? No, uh, no I, I think the key is the more you touch power, the greater the temptations are to get touched by power. Mm. So if you're in a political place and have, have a vote, if you have a bunch of money, if you have a position, whatever it is, all of those are power positions. How are you using it? The issue is not whether you do or you don't. The issue is how are you using it? Earlier mm. this summer, we had this silly conversation about privilege mm. uh, related to, um, to, to gender, uh, yeah. related to uh, race, related to socioeconomic status. Yeah. That, that's interesting. But the real privilege that you have is that you're created to be the image of God. Mm. What are you doing with that privilege? Mm. What has, how, how has that working itself out in you as a person, as a, uh, like uh, I'm an old white guy. Those are three in, 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 in some cultures, those are still power positions. How am I using those not informed by how the culture tells me I need mm. to use them, but by how I am part of the image of God, how am I using that privilege, yeah. that position to serve as the primary way of making disciples, which is what Jesus asked us to do. Yes. Whatever you do, make yeah. disciples, make yeah. friends for me. Yeah. And, and, and then he gave us the strategy to do that, immerse right. them in the character of Father, Son, and Spirit. Back to the question. The most important thing we can do, the most powerful thing we can do is pray. Mm. That's good. So that sounds like a rim shot moment, but to be honest, yeah, great. that is the single most powerful thing we can do totally agree. To, to shape and shift uh, the culture around us. Pray. Um, I'm going to go through these because we've got limited time. You kind of, we kind of already answered this, but this has got the most likes. How do we talk to a brother or sister that only cares about one issue? Just rapid fire. Um, well, we may not be able to talk to them about a particular issue, and it's okay to have boundaries yep. that say, you know what? Uh, we may not land on this, and I will never walk away from you. I can't stop you from walking away from me if this thing is so important to you that you're willing to walk away yeah. from family, from, from body of Christ, from bloodline of Jesus. Um, God bless you. My arms are open wide to receive you when you come back. Um, if my agreeing with you is a condition of our friendship, I'm not sure you understand what friendship is. So I want to um, in, invite you to talk about more of the things that we have in common. You're more than your opinion on this issue. Let's right. talk about that so that um, if we do need to think about these, this particular issue, 
we can do it from within a framework of love, mm. not from a frame of being right. Good. Because Paul says again, love has to make the way for truth telling. Good. Um, there's this question on here. It seems that prophets of the past spoke out as much about the present sins of the nation as often as the future coming. Many churches are vocal about abortion. Others speak about racial inequality. However, rarely do we hear a church do both because of political ramifications. Do you believe it's our responsibility as Jesus followers to speak out publicly about issues happening in the world in our communities ignoring being boxed into either a liberal church or a conservative congregation? Boy, that's a good question. It um, it, a lot of it really depends on the, the, the place of the church in the culture at any given time. So... Uh, uh, is there room for a prophetic voice that calls out gluttony, that calls out greed, that calls out deception, that calls out lying, uh, that calls out other of these kinds of things, racism or abortion? Um, As long as love leads, uh, I think yes. I think that there is as well, it it is a much more challenging... um, because in, in our cancel culture, uh, it, the nuances get completely lost. So we can't have a conversation. We can't have a discussion. Uh, you know, somebody says X, and then somebody says not X, and call it a discussion. That's not a discussion. Uh, we, we want to invite as much as possible uh, an ongoing conversation that immerses people in the reality of the of the love of love of God. So, are there damaging things? Yeah. Uh, is our primary concern uh, the culture? No. Our primary concern. Peter says this: judgment has to begin at the household of faith. So, um, prophetic words probably less about the prevailing culture and more about how the church is being the church mm. in any given moment. Mm. Um, thank you. Where, I'm going to find another one here. Hold on. This one is coming up. Hey, separate conversation. Well, it's in politics, and I think this speaks to Revelation as well. What does the, what does the Israel of the Bible, sorry, what does the Israel of the Bible have to do with the nation of Israel and Palestine today? Very little. Can you elaborate? Yes. Go. Oh, um, (laughs) Israel, and and again, it's not that the nation of Israel is irrelevant. It is that the nation of Israel cannot be simply equated to the word or image of Israel. You hear this in Revelation. You hear it in Acts. You hear it uh, as Jesus redefines, Paul redefines uh, that the Israel are those who um, are not just by, by nationality, but by, uh, by faith. The children of Abraham are those who are uh, uh, marked by the faith of Abraham. Mm. So those who are in Christ are the new Israel. Mm. Um, Paul wrestling with this in Romans 9, 10, and 11 uh, struggles with what do we do then with the national Israel and, and basically um, comes down suggesting that there is something still at work there. Uh, and I want to pray into that. I want to pray for Uh, the shalom of Jerusalem, all Mm. of that. But I also want to remember that we have Palestinians Mm. in this particular issue uh, who are our brothers and sisters Mm. 
who are on the wrong side yes. of uh, the, the political, military, national nation of Israel and with whom mm. we have more in common as disciples of Jesus and therefore we ought be supporting them as well in the, in the larger conversations. And I'm grateful because there's organizations that are enabling those conversations and uh, trying to say what does it mean for us um, to, to have an understanding of Israel as, as a spiritual entity, the people of God, uh, those who are disciples of Jesus, the new, new Israel, and at the same time have a political entity that is reformed in 1948 that has the same name that appears to have had some miraculous kinds of things supporting its reemergence, yeah. but now struggles with the use of power the same way everybody else right. struggles with the use of power, and who critiques that. So what the nation of Israel does doesn't get a buy yeah. because they're Israel. Yes. They're as much under the judgment, if you will, of God as the Old Testament Israel was. You're, and a lot of people think that it's, it will, when that's solidified, it's going to inaugurate this eschatological event. Yeah. Which that is clearly not how we're interpreting Revelation. No. Um, and so I just want to make that abundantly yeah. clear. Because I think for a lot of people, politics is tied to yes. the coming of politics yes. in the United States. And it's just so distracting yes, from the so mission of Jesus. And so that's why part of the reason we're teaching through Revelation, helping people see what's going on. Yeah. This one's a really interesting one. I want to hear your perspective. As white Christians, how can we uh, best support our black, indigenous, people of color, brothers and sisters in this moment where regardless of how we personally believe, they're clearly being affected on a much deeper level by the actions of people leading up to and following the election? Yeah. This has been one that uh, has obviously come full circle in the last few months. Uh, and the short answer for me is humble, learning, and engaging in relationship to the degree that we're able and at inconvenience. And I, candidly, for me, it's I need to keep my mouth shut until I know what my brothers and sisters of color have to say. Mm -hmm. And if they will be gracious enough to say for the 83rd time what they've already said 100 times mm -hmm. for me, I want to I listen this time. Yeah. Um, I've been privileged teaching uh, classes uh, this summer that have been comprised primarily of African Americans, uh, Texas, Virginia, various others. And they have been so kind mm -hmm. and so gracious to help me understand, mm. even to the slightest degree, what they just know intuitively mm. in their bones. Yeah. Uh, and there's no, way, there's no way I can say to them, I understand. I just yeah. don't. So that said, I now need to put myself under yeah. and let them lead me and help me understand how I can serve them. Right. In, 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 in the challenges of this. One of the things that I've learned too, because I, I agree, listening, humbling yourself. One of the things I've tried my best is to not um, make my brothers and sisters who are, are, are feeling the weight of these things just re-educate me. I've taken, it's been a responsibility that I've taken on to yeah. educate myself, to learn as much as I can, to read and to uh, yeah. engage in these issues 
trying to understand and, yeah. and come, like you said, coming under, but also building relationship and asking questions and continuing to support them. Because for lots of people in our church too, that, you know, this election represents a major issue in their life, feeling yeah. oppressed, feeling um, uh, pr- uh, prejudiced, you know, outright, you know, outright yeah. so. And I think we, we have to recognize that. We can't yeah. just vote policies and neglect the pain that's been caused by the current administration on s- lots of people in our country. Yeah. And I think I just want to say that. And that's, you know, going well, back. And, and to be fair, not just the current administration, we've been beating people down for hundreds of years. Yes. So, yes, 100%. So, so uh, it, it, it is a learning posture. And for me, it begins with uh, Native Americans, with indigenous peoples. It yeah. begins with the stories of colonization everywhere in the world, right. often conducted under the aegis of the church. Yeah. And blessed. This is what happens when the church gets into bed with empire. Yes. Uh, it, but, yeah. Um, great. I'm reading through questions, trying to see how we're doing. How are we doing on time right now? How are you guys doing at home? You guys good? I, don't, I can't hear or see any of your faces, so just shout at your blank At your this screen. stage, probably everybody's checked out and They're gone. Like checked gone, out. Okay. Um, how do we as a local church find unity in the midst of people in our community on completely opposite sides of each other? What practices or strategies for house churches uh, to embody during this time? Well, I, I think the main thing is we have way more that unites us mm. than we do that divides us. So let's spend 98% of our time on the things about which we disagree, the beauty and beloved, the beloved identity we have in Christ, mm. the beauty of the cross, the sacrifice of Jesus, the work of the Spirit, our mission in the world, mm. All of those things, I mean, this is, this is why Jesus prayed in John 17 that we would be one, mm. and the people for whom he was praying, not just the ones in the room, but now through history, mm. um, that's, it's, a, it's a oneness in the truth, but it's not the truth about being right about any particular issue. It's the truth, who is Jesus? Mm. So we're aligned around him, and I don't get to choose who he invites to the party. Mm. So if this neighbor is brought in, I need to figure out what Jesus sees in them mm. and how he has brought them in. And that might mean I don't need to have, I don't need to tell him what my opinion is. I mm. don't need to try and convince him he's wrong and I'm right. I don't, there's a whole boatload of things that we don't even need to talk about. Even in this hypercharged environment and place, it's not irresponsible to say, you know what, we don't need to talk about that right mm. now. Let's talk about the thing. And it's not Pollyanna. It's not pretending things mm. aren't important. It's saying the things that are important, the things that we have in common are way more important mm. than the things about which we, we differ if we, we have to start there so that when we do finally get to talk about the things that differ, Great. we have such a love for one another that we can't imagine doing life without one another. Mm-hmm. 
and that's then going to be walking together, and, and maybe it'll be a point of humor, maybe it'll be a point of ribbing, maybe it'll be a point of learning mm. down, down the line. Um, okay, here's a question. As, where'd it go? It went up. Um, as a Christian, how can I respond to someone who tells me it's not Christian to say Black Lives Matter? Well, again, uh, that person doesn't get a vote on whether you're a Christian or not. Um, mm -hmm. Jesus has made it pretty clear none of us are really good at making those distinctions. Mm -hmm. Second, using that particular rubric, um, it's like, well, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Is it hashtags, all caps, Black Lives Matter? Is it no hashtag, lowercase, Black Lives Matter? Is it this black life that matters or not? So we have to say, you don't get to autofill the meaning of a word when I use it. Mm. This emotional autofill that says, you use this word and this is what you must mean by that mm. is, is not fair to the personhood of the person who actually used the word. If right. I'm gonna use a word, I might get it wrong. Mm. Please help me to learn. But what if I mean parts of, but not all of? Is it possible to say hashtag Black Lives Matter and not say I'm in full agreement with all of the political mm. agenda of the movement, but I want to have some solidarity mm. with our brothers and sisters of color who have been crushed by, uh, by, by, by the ways of doing business, yeah. et cetera. Um, and the same thing ends up being true, you know, whether the issue social justice is another one that I got dinged on the other day. Um, yeah, I've heard people say to me, the Bible doesn't teach social justice. I don't know how you can say that, but I, God bless you. I, so I don't, let's not say that. <laughs> the Bible doesn't say social justice. The Bible, however, does say justice. Yes, lots so of times. whether you agree with the social justice agenda, right. and I, I get it, but don't autofill what I mean right. when I say that. Yeah. I, I, Jesus' ministry was one of jubilee. That's right. Justice. Yes. So I don't get to decide whether I'm going to set the, at free those who are oppressed. So some people will say, when you say Black Lives Matter, you're supporting things that are not biblical. No, I'm not. In regards to an organization. Nope, not. And, and this is what I can't stand. It's, and, and I mean that sincerely, that we, we, we demonize our brothers and sisters who have good in their hearts to voice, protest, to bring light to the darkness that is their personal and yeah. corporate experience. And we need to shut our mouths and we need to speak loudly yeah. at times. And, and I just, I, I, yeah. I think as Christians, let's stop, let us stop looking more like the enemy and start yeah. looking more like the, like the Jesus of scripture. Yeah who if, is clearly citing, yeah, clearly it. citing with oppressed groups, yep. marginalized groups, yep. uh, controversial people that you should never include in the inner circle coming full circle, irony. But you should never include those kinds of people into the, the holy yeah. rabbi circle or have a meal with. And we, we, have, to, we have to do a better job. Yeah. And I think we have to, we have to pr portray Jesus of scripture. And that's more than anything, I think that's what I, I keep wanting yeah. to get back to. Um, yeah. 
uh, let's see. So I know, let me get back to the question. Sorry. We got a couple more minutes. And if we don't answer all of these, we'll let, let Bill do some personal emails to you getting it back. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I like this one. Here, here's this one. Hey, um, how do I free myself from needing to be right? Oh, wow. That's so good. <laughs> the, the short answer is that you humbled yourself before the Lord. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you have, we, and this is so hard for me because my arrogance, as you know, is my spiritual gift. So being right, especially <laughs> because for me, being right is a mark of my insecurity. Mm, yeah. And once I began to realize, oh, my necessity to be right is really a reflection on how out of touch I am with who I am in Christ. So I want to start, start with that. Um, I have learned, Dallas Willard was a mentor for me in this, as he was to everybody else, I think, in the Western world and Eastern world. Uh, he used to practice the discipline of not having to have the last word. Oh, man, that's so good. And that's a, that is a discipline. That's good uh, marital advice right there. It, it, it's, it, it's, it's hard. <laughs> but that's, that's it, right? Mm-hmm. It's li- and I learned this with my 13-year-old son back in the day. Uh, it's, that, it's that if I kept on having to have the last word, mm-hmm. I would hear a mumble as I walked away. It's like, well, this isn't clearly mm-hmm. accomplishing anything. What if I just let him have the last word? And that, more than anything else, opened up conversation and dialogue yeah. and enabled us to engage as friends. I want a relationship yeah. more than I want to be right. Yeah. And as it turns out, I'm not right most of the time, even when I think I yeah. am and say so loudly with footnotes. Yeah, clearly educated and referenced. I, I had this experience recently, a couple months ago, where I had this conflict emerge and it became this di- debate about things, politics and perspective and theology. And then we, I went away, we, we processed it, it was a really good, it ended well, but then I felt uneasy in my spirit and we, we had another meeting and wanted to dialogue more and as I was preparing for it, I, I mean, I, the next day, I wrote this long essay of how their argument was wrong and how my argument was clearly the right one. Yeah. And as I'm writing this, which was going to be an email, I hear the Lord say to me, I never called you to be right. I called you to love them. Yes. And I stopped. I deleted the email, and it had footnotes. And... <laughs> And, and it changed so much. It really has. It's changed me as a leader. I think those who are close to me have seen it where I'm now in this posture of not trying to prove what I know, yeah. prove my side, but I am. I'm trying to ask questions. So how do you learn to not be right? Ask questions and then ask follow-up questions yeah. and then listen and then yeah. leave space in the conversation where there's awkward silence because you're not thinking about how, what you can say. This is a real discipline for me. And yes. you, you've known me long enough. Yeah. Yeah. And so I've just been learning that my job is not to prove to the world that I have the answer. Yeah. It's honestly to learn how to love. And I really believe that perhaps my approach to ministry has been um, stifled 
or, 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 or tinted by this need to prove what I know. And, and that, you know, that's my insecurity as well and um, not feeling enough. And now I just want to show them love and embrace that, which, mm-hmm. which is very hard. And when it comes to engaging in politics, uh, it's how we go about doing it. So yeah. hopefully that helps. Hey, I, I, don't, I think we're going to have to end um, so we can honor the time that we have. I see a bunch of questions on here. We've done our best to answer these. A lot of them have been answered. But I want to I ask you this question, Bill. On Wednesday, and... The reality is it's most likely, hey, John, remind me of that in just a second. On Wednesday, and the reality is it's most likely not going to be Wednesday. Um, it might extend the results right. depending on how right. they're counted and what's included. Either way, after this election is decided, there will be people in our church and around the country who will be disappointed by the outcome. Mm-hmm. How do we as a church deal with disappointment well? together we grieve uh we feel the sadness we don't medicate the sadness we don't turn the sadness into anger uh we offer up the sadness in lament so that jesus can use it to form us to christ likeness but then we get back to the business to which we have been called Hmm. which is making disciples and moving steadily inch at a time towards christ likeness nothing changes about that as a result of the outcomes on Tuesday. The conditions under which we do them, do all of that, will change a little bit, but not that much, to be honest, I don't think. Um, We are called into such a time as this uh, to be the people of God. And uh, as long as we stay in our own lane and remember what it is that Jesus has actually asked us to do, I think we're probably going to be, going to be able to recover. Mm. Uh, and I think that Isaiah's vision in chapter 6 is good. a good vision. We go to the temple. We pray. Uh, we seek the face of God. If mm. you really think that the country has taken a wrong turn, then get on your face before the Lord mm. and intercede and carry the weight uh, in, uh, before the Lord. Is there anything else you want to add to our conversation that we need to... Well, I, I think I, the, the one thing that we've kept landing on over and over and over again is that we love one another, mm. and that then conditions all and everything else that mm. we do. And if we don't get that right, being right on anything else is irrelevant. So good. That's like the first hole. In first the button, first hole. Got you. Finally got it. Finally makes sense. <laughs> hey, um, I want to say as we conclude, just as I've been praying for our church and for the nation and, you know, fasting and seeking the Lord in these things. I do think that we need to address what I would say is a soul tie to a, uh, a political spirit within the church. And I think that hmm. it's, it's in the church in the West and it's, it's, it's even, there's a danger of a cult-like uh, expression that needs to be called out and we need to repent from. And I think some of us have, could identify ourselves as putting our hope and our allegiance to a political party person. And we need to repent. We need to repent from those ungodly connections and those, Mm -hmm. that ungodly, that idol that has been a part of our life. And it's been a devotion we've practiced. 
engaging in the NPR, engaging in the, the news cycles and the, the, the way we are consuming the, um, the media and fueling r- anger and rage and hatred and uh, division. I, I believe that the enemy is sowing seeds of division through what is, is wrong and, and we need to repent and we need to, and I don't, I'm not saying the church in the West needs to repent. I'm saying garden church. We need to repent from the ways we have not loved each other, the ways we have demonized our current president or the opposite side, the vice president Biden. I think we need to repent from all the ways we have not embodied Jesus to each other and to the world around us. And that's what I wanted to say is one way to engage in this conversation is to take responsibility um, for everything going on out there and just say, Lord, have mercy. Mm-hmm. God, have mercy. Mm-hmm. You are the king. You are the Lord. You, your kingdom is what I want to align my life to, not uh, the Republican Party or the Democrat Party. I, so I want to invite you to open up your hands. And if that's you, like it is me, if you've struggled with needing to be right, if you struggle with uh, anger towards the other side in ways that are ungodly, in ways that it's caused bitterness and dissentment um, and division and even hatred, I want to invite you just to open up your, your, heart, your heart and your hands and close your eyes. And I just want to pray a blessing over all of you as we conclude this time. So Father, I just, I bless our family who uh, are different, who think differently, but have come to believe that you are Lord. <clears throat> and I ask, Lord, that you would bless them. That right now you would, you would cut any ties, any allegiances, any forms of idolatry that we have inhabited um, over the last several months to politics. Would you just cut that, deliver us from it. Mm. Just release that from our lives, from our minds, from our bodies, from our emotions, from our habits and practices. I pray that you give us new ways of thinking, of loving each other, new ways of consuming information, new ways of engaging in conversations that actually honor and lift each other up. May we never slander anyone. May we never talk about people in a way that diminishes Mm -hmm. their personhood. May we always elevate the people we talk about with love, kindness, respect, and honor. I pray, Jesus, that you would unite the garden in this strange time as we mm-hmm. can't always be mm-hmm. together. I pray that you would make us one as we are spread out, that you would build your church. And God, I pray that we would lead the world um, through repentance and humility, that we wouldn't point the fingers anymore outside, but that we would look inside mm-hmm. and say, Lord, have mercy. Um, and God, I pray that you would come. And so, Lord, we, we honor you in this discussion. I thank you for Pastor Bill, and I thank you for all of those who showed up and who will hear this. I already know it's going to cause controversy and divide, so I just pray, Lord, that you would bless everyone who hears this. Bless them, Lord. And we pray this in the name of the risen Lord Jesus mm. Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for, um, for uh, being here. We recorded this, and we're going to share it. So if you liked something that Bill said or if you didn't like it and you want to share that with your friends, either way, <laughs> it's, it's now accessible or it will be accessible. But God bless you guys. We're going to be praying. Some of us are going to be fasting um, until, you know, Tuesday. 
But let's pray for uh, our country and pray for each other. Love you guys. God bless you. Grace and peace. Have a great night. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit garden.church. Thoughts. We need your spirit, oh God.